Section 33 of the Underground Railroad, Part 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. The Underground Railroad, Part 3 by William Still. Section 33. Arrival from Dunwoody County, 1858. Darius Harris. One of the most encouraging signs connected with the travel via the Underground Railroad was that passengers traveling thereon were, as a general thing, young and of determined minds. Darius, the subject of this sketch, was only about twenty-one when he arrived. It could be seen in his looks that he could not be kept in the prison house unless constantly behind bars. His large head and its formation indicated a large brain. He stated that Thomas H. Hamlin, a hard case, living near Dunwoody, had professed to own him. Darius alleged that the same Hamlin, who had thus stripped him of every cent of his earnings, was doing the same thing by sixty others, whom he held in his grasp. With regard to feeding and clothing Darius, set Hamlin down as very hoggish. He also stated that he would sell slaves whenever he could. He, Darius, had been hired out in Petersburg from the age of ten. For the last three years previous to his escape, he had been bringing $150 a year into the coffers of his owners. And Darius had not been ignorant of the cruelties of the slave system up to the time of his escape, for the fetters had been galling his young limbs for several years. Especially had the stringent slave laws given him the horrors. Loathing the system of slavery with his whole heart, he determined to peril his all in escaping therefrom. Seeking diligently, he had found a means by which he could carry his designs into execution. In the way of general treatment, however, Darius said that bodily he had escaped abuses tolerably well. He left in slavery his father and mother, four brothers and one sister. He arrived by one of the Richmond boats. Arrived from Alexandria, Virginia, 1857, Townsend Derricks. The above-named escaped from a Dutchman by the name of Galley Papik, who was in the confectionery business. For the credit of our German citizens, it may be said that slaveholders within their ranks were very few. This was a rare case. The committee were a little curious to know how the German branch of civilization conducted when given unlimited control over human beings. In answering the requisite questions, and in making his statement, Townsend gave entire satisfaction. His German master he spoke of as being a tolerably fair man, considering his origin. At least he, Townsend, had not suffered much from him, but he spoke of a woman, about sixty, who had been used very badly under this Dutchman. He not only worked her very hard, but at the same time he would beat her over the head, and in that most savage manner. His mistress was also Dutch, a great swabby, fat woman, with a very ill disposition. Master and mistress were both members of the Episcopal Church. Mistress drank. That was the reason she was so disagreeable. Townsend had been a married man for about seven months only. In his effort to obtain his own freedom, he sought diligently to deliver his young wife. They were united heart and hand in the one great purpose to reach free land. But unfortunately, the pursuers were on their track. The wife was captured and carried back, but the husband escaped. It was particularly with a view of saving his poor wife that Townsend was induced to peril his life, for she, the wife, was not owned by the same party who owned Townsend, and was on the eve of being taken by her owners, 
some fifty miles distant into the country where the chances for intercourse between husband and wife would no longer be favourable rather than submit to such an outrage townsend and his wife made the attempt aforementioned arrival from maryland eighteen fifty eight edward carroll edward a youthful passenger about twenty-one years of age slow of speech with a stammering utterance and apparently crushed in spirits claimed succor and aid of the committee at first the committee felt a little puzzled to understand how one apparently so deficient could succeed in surmounting the usual difficulties consequent upon travelling via the underground railroad but in conversing with him they found him possessed of more intelligence than they had supposed indeed they perceived that he could read and write a little and that what he lacked in aptness of speech he supplied as a thinker and although he was slow he was sure he was owned by a man named john lewis who also owned about seventy head of slaves whom he kept on farms near the mouth of the sassafras river in sussex county lewis had not only held edward in bondage but had actually sold him with two of his brothers only the saturday before his escape to a georgia trader named durant who was to start south with them on the subsequent monday moved almost to desperation at their master's course in thus selling them the three brothers after reflection determined to save themselves if possible and without any definite knowledge of the journey they turned their eyes toward the north star and under the cover of night they started for pennsylvania not knowing whether they would ever see the goodly land of freedom after wandering for about two weeks having been lost often and compelled to lie out in all weathers a party of pursuers suddenly came upon them both parties were armed the fugitives therefore resolved to give their enemies battle before surrendering edward felt certain that one of the pursuers received a cut from his knife but the extent of the injury was unknown to him for a time the struggle was of a very serious character by using his weapon skillfully however edward managed to keep the handcuff off of himself but was at this point separated from his two brothers no further knowledge of them did he possess nevertheless he trusted that they had succeeded in fighting their way through to freedom how any were successful in making their escape under such discouraging circumstances is a marvel edward took occasion to review his master's conduct and said that he could not recommend him as he would drink and gamble both of which were enough to condemn him in edward's estimation even though he were passable in other respects but he held him doubly guilty for the way that he acted in selling him and his brothers so privately had his master transacted business with the trader that they were within a hair's breadth of being handcuffed ere they knew that they were sold probably no outrage will be remembered with feelings of greater bitterness than this proceeding on the part of the master yet when he reflected that he was thereby prompted to strike for freedom edward was disposed to rejoice at the good which had come out of the evil arrival from petersburg eighteen fifty eight james mason this passenger brought rare intelligence respecting the manner in which he had been treated in slavery he had been owned by a lady named judith burton who resided in petersburg and was a member of the baptist church she was the owner of five other slaves james said that she had been the same as a mother to him and on the score of how he came to escape he said i left for no other cause than to simply get my liberty this was an exceptional case yet he had too much sense to continue in such a life in preference to freedom when he fled he was only twenty-four years of age had he remained therefore he might have seen hard times before he reached old age this fact he had well considered as he was an intelligent young man arrival from maryland robert carr three hundred dollars reward ran away from the subscriber on the twenty sixth december eighteen fifty seven negro man robert carr he had been when last seen on west river a close-bodied blue cloth coat with brass buttons drab pantaloons and a low crown 
and very narrow brim beaver hat he wore a small goatee is pleasant when spoken to and very polite about five feet ten inches high copper colored i will give one hundred and twenty five dollars if taken in anne arundel prince george's calvert or montgomery county one hundred and fifty dollars if taken in the city of baltimore or three hundred dollars if taken out of the state and secured so that i get him again thomas j richardson west river anne arundel county maryland robert was too shrewd to be entrapped by the above reward he sat down and counted the cost before starting then with his knowledge of slaveholders when traveling he was cautious enough not to expose himself by day or night where he was liable to danger he had reached the age of thirty and despite the opposition he had had to encounter unaided he had learned to read which with his good share of native intelligence he found of service whilst robert did not publish his mistress he gave a plain statement of where he was from and why he was found in the city of brotherly love in the dead of winter in the state of destitution he charged the blame upon a woman whose name was richardson who he said was quite a fighter and was never satisfied except when quarrelling and fighting with some of the slaves he also spoke of a certain t j richardson a farmer and a very driving man who was in the habit of oppressing poor men and women by compelling them to work in his tobacco corn and wheat fields without requiting them for their labor robert felt that if he could get justice out of said richardson he would be the gainer to the amount of more than a thousand dollars in money besides heavy damages for having cheated him out of his education in this connection he recalled the fact of richardson's being a member of the church and in a sarcastic manner added that his religious pretensions might pass among slaveholders but that it would do him no good when meeting the judge above being satisfied that he would there meet his deserts robert took a degree of comfort therefrom end of section thirty three recording by greg giordano newport ritchie florida